0: not a bomb. I am Troy, and with me, as always, is the fantastic Mr. Brad Anderson. Brad, how the heck are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing fantastic. What up, Bomb Squad and everyone out there? Hey, Troy. Yes? I know I've been sending you a lot of stuff, but I appreciate everyone listening to the show. It's more than five, which is more than I <laughs> thought we'd ever have.
0: <laughs> Did, it have actually you been is doing like, the calculations based on the human population, or are we up to like .0000? Oh, it's...
1: My uh, scientific, uh, what is it, scientific, not method. What's the, when you, uh, you know, have to do like E to the negative 10?
0: I don't know, math?
1: <laughs> yeah, my math is, uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff has been thrown out the door a long time ago. So, yeah, we're, you know, we're, our empire is b- being built uh, one day at a time, Troy. So. Sweet.
0: I'm excited. Hey, you know, it's more than five people, and I'm excited to have everybody back. I think, Brad, this not only is going to be like the punk rock edition, this is going to probably be the most fun edition. Um, So uh, we we mixed up the intro a little bit. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, My daughter made her podcasting um, song debut or whatever, uh, helping out with our intro. Um, So there's a lot of teen angst in in that, and uh, it, it went to our advantage. But... Brad, we this is your pick, and so tonight we're going to talk about 2010's uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I'm super excited about this. It is based, um, and we'll get into this. So most uh, movies that are comic book movies, the source material had been out there, and they do a comic book adaption off, you know, off of that. This one's a little unusual. We're going to get into that. But then we thought, okay, we've got to know somebody who's like a comic book <laughs> expert. Who's our biggest comic book nerd friend. And it <laughs> happens to be the guy who's also the biggest Remo Williams expert too. And so we just yes. had to have John back. John, how you doing tonight? Doing great, Troy and Brad. Thank you for having me back. Yes, and, and John, let me tell you. So um, John lives out uh, with me in the Baltimore area. And uh, we know each other just because our daughters play softball together. But John instantly, like, the connection, right? Just same oh, way God. you and I had it, Brad, when, when we first met. And Yeah. Um, whereas Brad and I just went into movies. John could do that, too. But my first Baltimore Comic-Con experience was with John and his family as well. So our, both our families went. And you want to talk about somebody who will walk around and school you, not just in artists and comic book history and stuff like that, um, we went with the families on day one, and yep. then day two we left the families uh, at home so it could just be him and I. And we spent all day going through um, the convention again, and I was just yeah. getting this oral history of artists and stuff Aww, like that. So nice mandate. Right. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was magical. Um, but uh, John, you've you've been on the show before, so we don't have you know the five questions so that everybody can get to know you because they know you. And if they don't know you, they need to go back and listen to the awesome Remo Williams episode we did. But this time – what, what, Brad? That was a heavy sigh. The most popular <laughs> episode we've done. Remo <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not a, a mistake, Brad, because Remo Williams is great.
1: And if you were to type in, in the old Google machine, Remo Williams podcast, the first thing that comes up, our podcast.
0: Yes, yes. So either yes. there's been
1: no podcast on Remo Williams or <laughs> –
0: there's God tons of pop. God everybody hates me pug. and
1: he's oh, punishing yeah. me every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, now there's tons of them, and, and you know thank you everybody for listening, and hope you guys had as much fun as we did. That was
0: awesome. Oh, this one's gonna be more epic. But let's let's oh, start yes. with the questions, okay? So this time around, what we're gonna do, we're we're talking about, and and Brad would. No, I guess it wouldn't be. Dread would be our first film that is sort of based on a comic book. So this is our yeah. second, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so what we w- wanted to do um, is ask a couple of questions, but there are actually two questions for the three of us. Um, and it's something that I've been thinking about all day, and, I, and I've and i known what the questions are. But I'm really curious what your guys' answers. So the first question, if you guys are ready. Oh, Yeah. Um, I'll start with you, John. You're, you're the, uh, you know, I, I use the word guess, but I, I, think we got a feeling you're gonna be showing up on this quite a bit. Oh, so fingers crossed. whatever, whatever the like co-host guess word is, there you go. Psychic. So I'll start with you. Who is your favorite comic book character? Um,
2: uh, my favorite comic book character is actually the Flash.
0: Ooh, DC. Um, okay. Yes. Why,
2: why the Flash? Um, because he, while he is a superhero, he's super fast. Um, he he's he's that quick-witted, um, quick to make a f- bad funny joke, in in a in a heartbeat, and that kind of matches my personality, where it's just you know, quick wits, just bang 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 bang. And um, he and you're he's, super fast in real life. I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Um but he was also he was still at at his core human and he he could get hurt you know what i mean as much as he was a superhero he wasn't you know invulnerable and to that i could relate in the sense that you know i think a lot of people have that you know special gift but they're also very vulnerable in in many senses so as a kid um i I always looked at superman batman yeah they were great but um, for me it was always the flash
0: that's a good point Do do you like the stuff they're doing with him in in tv and film um the cw uh, the Arrowverse. now that they've lost
2: uh the arrow um i, I do um i hope um so there was some behind the scenes drama where um what's the character's name El- elongated man plastic man who is plastic man and yes. not a lot not a lot of people understand that's who it is but they don't ever say plastic man
0: but he's you know, plastic even,
2: man but he is plastic Man, and they even gave him the goggles yes. so, um so i'm kind of interested to see where they go with that um they have a new series out uh, what is it uh, stargirl yeah I heard a lot of good things about that uh, black lightning I'm starting to turn on to um, I, I I like their stuff I like where they're going with it because it's stories it's fun it's um, it's not to be taken seriously you know what I mean it's it's, it's that's like comic books you know don't take them too serious
0: yeah, yeah. I, I like I like your pick I like the flash Brad mm-hmm. your turn I, I gotta know here's one I don't know. Like, uh, John, as much as we talk, I, I, get that cause we talked about the flash on numerous occasions. but Brad, who is your favorite comic book character?
1: And this is probably going to be way out of right field, but my favorite comic book character is Magneto. Ooh. Um, I think Magneto really? has some of the most complex backstory. Um, I can, you know, he is not a, you know, black and white character. He's very much in the gray, um, you know, he's he's good friends with Professor X, but they have different um, standpoints on how powerful they should be and how mutants should go forward. Magneto's more of a, hey, we are the homo superior race, and we are going to use our powers to take over the weak man. Um, and, you know... Professor X and Magneto also combined their consciousness to make Onslaught. So I kind of like all that s-
0: story. stuff. So, so, you know, did, did he drop the needle on the deep cut with that one? Yeah, he did. So with a little
1: wiki, 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 but Magneto is one of the most complex, uh, characters I think we have. And I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I really dig Magneto a lot. So, and being able to control metal is just an awesome power. So,
0: yeah. uh, that, Wow. So, uh, same question to you. I mean, Magneto, he's been in some of the, what, X-Men animated series, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. obviously, the films, the 20th Century Fox films, is, is really where they flushed out a lot of his backstory. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, he, he is seen as a, a villain, but he also is the... He's not a good guy, but he's not exactly a bad guy, especially if his interests align. Do you, yeah. Do you, like, do you like how they've interpreted uh, Magneto and... In, in
1: so... X-Men first class was supposed to be like the Magneto origin story and it does play a lot into his backstory. Um, I do like first class quite a bit. Um, I like kind of that second run of first class, um, days of future past, even apocalypse is fine. Dark Phoenix is terrible, but, um, I like that more than the original three. Now I'll take X2 over any of the new ones, but um, Ian McKellen is also perfect but Fasten and Mirror, I think should play Magneto going forward in anything they do but I doubt he reprises the character so
0: good man well um, this was the question I was struggling with like the, the next question <laughs> it was hands down I knew my answer this one I, I, I didn't know who to pick and I'll, I'll tell you the runner up right so there were three runners up and, and growing up John you're, you're a DC guy right Yes. Okay. Brad, are, are you... I'm Marvel- a Marvel guy. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm a Marvel guy too. Now, I love DC. Um, one of the first series I, I, I like got me into comic books was Weird War Tales, which was a DC comic. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, the ones I grew up with and just loved, it, it really came down to Daredevil, Hulk, and Captain America. I mean, I, those are fantastic. But when I talk about my favorite comic book character, I thought about, okay, what drives me nuts when something of this character comes out? And I just, I, I lose all self-control, right? Um, and John, you've witnessed this, actually, at Comic-Con. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I got to say my favorite comic book character is Howard the Duck. Um, I, what? I, it's Howard the Duck. <laughs> I love the original series. Um, and I, I have all of the comics. I have, like, every iteration of Howard the Duck. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the comics, the the first-run series is fantastic. Yes, um, it was. Isn't
1: it more, like, adult oriented than the actual movie was? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the,
0: the original comics, um, they were very satirical, um, and okay. they poked fun at the Marvel comics, but what was funny is, and we can do a whole story at this, um, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, it even got a little political to a point where oh, people yeah. were doing write-ins for <laughs> Howard the Duck for president during one of the elections because he yeah. was so popular. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, they're just, I, I love the comics that are just out there and weird. Yes. Um, and Howard the Duck to me is just, uh, when when they use him correctly, um, he's a fascinating <laughs> character where, you know, it's the um, master of quack fu. It, it still makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love what they do. And I love the fact that he is sort of the hero who doesn't want to be a hero and ends up pointing out the faults of, you know, everybody else around him. Um, but yeah, I, so he's Deadpool. At, do what? So he's Deadpool. Uh, he,
1: well, how did the duck came first,
2: right? I'm assuming he was Deadpool. He he's he's Deadpool
0: before Deadpool got violent. Yes, okay. no, that's a great <laughs> analogy. Yeah, I mean he he is. I don't want to say he's the kid friendly Deadpool. No, um, okay. he's he's probably a smarter Deadpool in terms of his antics in the seventies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I love Howard the duck. And, and the reason why I, I mentioned Baltimore comic-con is like said, I had all the issues, but some guy had this pristine copy of Howard the duck. Number one. Now um, I saw that and I'm like, what's your price? And he's like this. I'm like, Oh yeah, I got to buy that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, I think I asked you, think I think I ratted you this, me out. So I think
1: I ask you this every episode, but, what are you doing with your life, Troy?
0: <laughs> I am a mature 13-year-old yeah. in a grown body. <laughs> with disposable income. With, we unfortunately. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, second question. Those are good answers, guys. This is, this is going good. Yeah. Um, John, we'll start with you. What All is right. your favorite comic book series or graphic novel?
2: Oh, Lord, that is, that is really, really tough. Um, because... Uh, you got to pick one, them. All right. What's your gut say? My gut says House of Mystery, DC.
0: Ooh. Um, You want to talk about that one? Because that that was the one you educated me on at Baltimore Comic-Con. Because I think you found the last couple of issues you were looking for.
2: I found the last issue that completed my run from um, issue number 174 to 313. So I have every single copy of those of the house of mystery and it's basically um a horror anthology different guest writers artists um a lot it was kind of like twilight zone in the comics Mm -hmm. um and it really addressed some you know of the um standard horror genre stuff wolfman mummy curses all that good stuff but it actually had some other um political uh, moralistic stories that made you think oh man yeah, I guess as a kid I shouldn't steal because some monster's gonna reach up through the toilet and grab me. You yeah, know. No. Ooh, yeah. that's, <laughs> called, that's called House of House of Mysteries. House of Mystery.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Just singular, one yep. mystery. Yeah. Just it was one a DC mystery. run, right? <laughs> yep. DC run. Um, one of my all-time favorite artists, uh, Bernie Wrightson. May he rest in peace. Um, have every issue of those autographed by him. Uh, Troy, your um, Weird War Tales uh, issue number one is actually sitting to my left up on the wall. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's, I love that's that's my movie. favorite. Um, out of Marvel, so th- that's the funny thing. Out of Marvel, um, the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont run that they did together, uh, which brought Jim Lee into the mainstream of the comic universe. Uh, not only did he illustrate, um, you know, just just beautiful artwork. Um, but Chris Claremont really put together some really great stories that really, Brad, to your point, you know, really touched upon Magneto and just how deep of a character he is and and um really got you thinking well you know i get xavier but you know magneto's kind of got a point and he really draw that out through their run and that and, and you know for marvel that was probably my favorite favorite series
0: if uh brad if you're getting a taste this is the type of information <laughs> we're gonna get <laughs> in program. okay so. I'll Brad, back. questions to you, man. Who is, Or actually, what is your favorite comic book series or graphic novel? This well, one I'm really so I, fascinated I, about for you.
1: I hate to go down this road and say this is my favorite because it's very cliche. Um, but it was the first graphic novel I ever read. Um, it's from 1986-87. It's Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons. Um, it's Watchmen. Ooh, Ooh um, Watchmen. Um, I love Watchmen. I know it's kind of i don't know again it's is it weird to like hate on watchmen now is like that the thing no not well well, after h go ahead so i just think it's a fantastic piece of literature um i read it probably once a year um i absolutely adore it uh the artwork is great yes the story is great yep uh the characters are amazing um it's mature it's I don't know, everything that 13-year-old Brad loved right. and 37-year-old Brad still loves. So, yeah. You know, I hate to say the most popular graphic novel of all time, but, yeah, it's
0: Watchmen. <laughs> so you were 13 when you discovered it?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, my brothers had it, um, had, the, had the run where, um, you know, where it was all published together. And I read that and thought it was amazing. Um, so, yeah my exposure was probably a little early. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of the satire and the Richard Nixon stuff and the Watergate stuff and the Soviet union stuff. But you know, I, that's kind of why I like it because as I get older, I, I know more about, uh, the political history behind the, fil- uh, behind the graphic novel. And it kind of just makes me feel smart. Yeah. So <laughs> and I benefit. love, I love, I love the art so much. Like it, uh, when you great. see the art nope. like you know it's watchmen kind of the same thing with scott pilgrim like when you see uh dave gibbons work um, who inked that uh john higgins when you see his art his inking like it's it just you know it's watchmen so um yeah that's my answer troy
0: all right so let me i got to ask you this then cuz you picked that and and i'll I'll let you know that was one of my picks cuz i i'm with you i discovered it in early agents one of those i revisit all the time cuz every time I read it, I pick something else new out of it. And I yes, just,
1: I love the Jack, the Zack Snyder movie.
0: Okay. That's what I need <laughs> to know. <All> right, <laughs> right. I
1: love it. I love it. I think the ultimate edition with the, the tale of the black freighter in like in it and it's four hours long. I absolutely love it.
0: Uh, so. yeah. Cameron and I just watched it a few weeks ago and he, it just blew his mind. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm excited. So
1: I'm kind of glad they got rid of the aliens stuff in the, uh, in the movie. It makes it a little bit yeah easier to understand. Um, the squid stuff is a little weird. So,
0: <laughs> well, you know that, and that we're going to talk about this from from a comic book standpoint. But, you know, traditionally, when you come off of um, the original, uh, I would say story, it can either go good or bad, right? And Watchmen's a good example where I think they took the graphic novel, um, really captured all the elements that made it good. And you're right, that 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 spectacular four-hour cut it flies by yeah um but the ending that they decided to go with which was a little bit different than the graphic novel i think is more impactful from a film but it would also be one of the cases where i would say the novel is perfect or the graphic novel is perfect for a graphic novel and the ending and the film is perfect for a film and it taught me
1: how to say ozymandias because like when i was saying in my (laughs) in my head i never said ozymandias so you know i got to hear someone (laughs) say it out loud and so i finally say it right
0: that's uh, cool. Well, th- this was the question that was the easiest for me to answer. Like, the first question I'm debating, like, do I do I go Howard? Do I do Daredevil? I mean, this one, hands down, The Defenders was it, oh. and still is my favorite comic book series. It was the comic book that got me into comic books. Um, and it is out there. I mean, it, it's kooky. And yeah. eventually it went from Defenders to the new Defenders, I think issue 125-ish. Yep. Um, and then eventually it transferred into X-Factor. Um, which is, you know, it's a, it's an okay series, but you know, the original Defenders um, I think came about as an accident because they were finishing a story in Doctor Strange. It got canceled. Doctor Strange got canceled. They had to finish the story. They pick it up um, in this Defenders, um, and you know, you you have Doctor Strange, Hulk, uh, Submariner, and um, or Prince Submariner, Prince Namor, <laughs> Namor and then. Yeah. <laughs> Silver Surfer, and those, those are the original Defenders, but what's what I've always loved about that series is through all of its issues, you have all these alternating characters. You know, issue four is where we introduce Valkyrie, and and I gotta say, I mean, we've had a Defenders TV show, um, which, which is fine, I mean, it, it really doesn't mix and match from the original series, but I would say, and, and I don't know what you guys feel, I have you read any of the defenders, Brad, or I, I am not No. Okay. John, I, I know you have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. the, one of my favorite Marvel movies is all, And the reason why it's my favorite is I feel it's like the closest thing that got to a defenders comic in terms of spirit, some of the humor and just the out there in terms of visuals <laughs> is Thor Ragnarok, yes. which obviously introduces Valkyrie. And that's where, you know, Valkyrie came from was the defenders. But man, I'm, I'm telling you, um, Doctor Strange, Hulk, Silver Surfer, Valkyrie, um, Damien, uh, Gargoyle, uh, Angel. I, you get just this crazy cast of characters, and it really feels yep. like the leftover Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the stuff that they put in there is just sort of out there. Yep. Um, it has a great history, but I'm telling you, the, the first hundred or so issues are, are fantastic. Yeah. I would say beyond that, it, it gets a little pedestrian. Um, and when it goes to X Factor, it's just okay. But oh my God, I, yeah, well, I love that yeah. series.
2: Yeah, Defender was awesome. Um, I know you and I talked about the Netflix version of the Defenders, um, which I don't know if you ever got a chance to see. I I loved their take on the Defenders because I thought it brought like you were talking about the comics, the story, the history, the you know the way the characters interact, the humor, and then you know just what they face. I thought they did a really great job. Um, so it'd be interesting to see um, what Disney comes up with. Um, not that they have they have it all back in their camp.
0: Yeah, well, no, I would lo- I'd love for them to actually go back and do like an, a Defenders with the original cast, but yeah. um, you know they can now now that they got Silver Surfer you know over from Fox, but <laughs> I, I don't think that'll happen because it's just it's one of those series that it it like I said it's it's almost like the leftovers, right? <laughs> so, well, now
1: they have a streaming service, so you never know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with Disney Plus, they can roll the dice on all of this stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I, they're, they're in a unique situation um, where they, they literally hold all the cards, so let's see what they lay down.
0: They hold all the cards in my childhood, which is ridiculous. <laughs> all right, guys, so, um, hey, dude, uh, dudes, sorry, awesome uh, <laughs> awesome conversation about comics, and I think that uh, gives everybody a little bit of taste of where we're coming at um, in terms of um, our comic book credentials, right? Yeah. Um, but now, Brad, this is your pick. Yes. Uh, it's an even number. We're on episode eight. Right? Yeah? No. Eight. eight. No, yeah. nine. This is, Dude. Oh, no. Yeah, because, yes. You got odds, I got evens. So this yes. is nine. We're almost in double <laughs> digits. You went back and um, you did two things. You requested this film and you requested John, which I thought was fantastic on yes. your part. Um, Thank you, Brad.
1: Because I know nothing, so I
0: need someone to <laughs> So why Scott? gonna Gilbert? make me look good? That's true. That's true. <laughs> he makes everybody look good. Um, why uh why this one? So I saw
1: this movie uh, back in August of 2010 when it came out. Um, and again, it's just a an excuse to kind of go back and watch. Um, I remembered really liking it. Um, and I wanted to take a deep dive into it because I know Troy is obsessive about things and John I know you're obsessed about the comics so I was hoping that hey I want to learn about the source material more Um, I also want to kind of talk about you know Edgar Wright um, and even like the cast in itself where they were and where they are now is it's kind of an amazing cast Um, yeah and I, I was just kind of wondering does it hold up 10 years from now because i remember hearing the you know the 4k uh blu-ray was coming out in august of 2010 to com- or 20 to commemorate the 10-year anniversary sadly that's been delayed because of yep. 2020 um so yeah that's kind of my my reason to yeah. go back
2: as well as a uh uh re-release in the theaters they were going to do it for an anniversary yeah. edition but and that pushed back
1: this was a huge bomb. This movie lost a lot of money. <laughs> oh, so God, yeah. When you look at bombs, they like, oh, yeah, we had to write this off big yeah.
0: time. Yeah. So that is a great segue. Let's get into – go back to 2010 because you're right. It's 10-year anniversary. Yep. Um, and, and let me just plug something really quick. Uh, if, if anybody likes this film, just even mildly likes it uh, and finds it entertaining, I think Entertainment Weekly got the cast together to do yes. an entire read, a table read. Um, and they got everybody except a few people. And I got to say, I mean, it goes through the entire film, um, even with a couple of little special effects they put <laughs> in there and music. It is so much fun to watch everybody come back and do this. And it's a testament as well as from the cast and the filmmakers perspective, how much they grew together as friends um, through the making of this film. And um, as the story goes, because there's a great article in Entertainment Weekly that talks about the 10-year anniversary. But apparently there's this famous email chain um, that has everybody on there, and everybody still replies to it and hits reply all, and they're all talking to each other. Um, And Chris Evans, who's in, in this, obviously Captain America, I mean, he talks about this film and says that the people who are fans of this film are just um, as passionate about Scott Pilgrim as they are about the Marvel Universe yes um, but I gotta tell you um, it's a great charity that they're doing it's a fantastic table read yep. I think they were auctioning off some artwork <laughs> yes they were um, from uh, Brian, Brian Lee o- 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 Molly? O'Malley. did I say that right yeah O'Malley and I don't know if that's still going Maybe. on but please check that out if you're yeah perusing YouTube or the internet but Brad we got to go back and let's let's go back to 2010. Scott Pilgrim is coming out, and, um, it totally crashed. Crashed, I mean, it <laughs> bombed big time. Yes. Yes, uh, it does. What was its budget?
1: Um, somewhere in the range of about 60000000 million. I've seen somewhere as low as $45. i have seen as high as 60 So we'll just say, we'll say 50 Just to call it whatever. Okay. Um, and, um, I've really had the breakdown of world versus, or domestic versus international. Um yeah so it makes uh 31 million domestically and about 16 million internationally for a grand total of 47 million dollars so it does not even make back its initial budget yeah and i know they marketed this movie quite heavily um so you can see they made they lost quite a bit of money um scott pilgrim versus the world 2 probably ain't happening so
0: true um and when it came out what did it go up against now this is what I found fascinating
1: <laughs> yeah so this actually for August of 2010 I feel like this month is pretty loaded so you have the Expendables
0: oh, yeah. yeah the same weekend
1: yeah uh Step Up 3D, which I know Troy is all about.
0: Oh, my God. I was there opening that. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. The Man from Nowhere, Troy. That's a that's a film that you probably have seen a billion times.
0: Um, yes, and there's a remake coming of that as well, which uh, <laughs> okay. shame on you, Hollywood. Leave that one alone. <laughs>
1: um, the Other Guys, which I always confuse for The Nice Guys. And um,
0: um, just my public service for the internet, watch uh, The Nice Guys, Stay Away from The Other Guys. I, I so- think The Other Guys is okay. And There's you were wrong. There's some funny parts. Of- no, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs>
1: uh, Eat, Pray, Love also comes out this morning.
0: Oh, God. Oh, that was, that was uh, John, that was your top ten list that year, right? Yeah, top ten to go burn it down, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I Saw the Devil, which I think is a fantastic movie.
0: Amazing film. Yep.
1: Uh, vamp- Vampires Suck, which I think is probably a Twilight, like, <laughs> parody movie, I'm assuming. <laughs> I did not catch that one. <laughs> Sounds um,
0: horrible.
1: Secretariat. Um, oh, horsey Piranha, movie. Piranha, 3D. Remember, in 2010, we were still going to the 3D movies. Yeah. Yes. Um, Takers, which is the Paul Walker vehicle, I believe. And then actually two films I like a lot: the The Last Exorcism and then The American. So.
0: Oh yeah. Oh for, yeah. For
1: for the end of the summer, I feel like that was loaded. Like, I would have seen... I think I saw, like, five or six of those movies. Again, from 2008 to, like, 2012, I think I saw literally everything that came out. So, I was a
0: loser. So, John, did, did you see... Now, I remember the order I saw these in, um, but this came out, and I know you're a fan of everything that is in The Expendables in terms of Stallone, Lee, Lundgren, etc. Yep. Um, did you see Scott Pilgrim opening weekend? I did not, um,
2: mainly because the, uh, it's interesting what Brad said, the, the marketing of it. I, I When I initially saw it, and that's before I discovered any press, um, I, I saw the preview, and I'm like, what? What? you what? what? And this was just coming back off of, um, what is it, year one, Jack Black, Mike Sarah. Oh, yeah. And watched, oh, yeah. yeah, watching that, and I'm like, Mike Sarah. oh, God, no, no, no. Let's just go watch some Jet Li. <laughs>
0: so you um, saw Expendables that Yeah. Weekend.
2: So, but when the the DVD released, um, and uh, went out and rented it and watched it, I'm like, what an idiot I was! I should have seen this in the movie theater because it was.
0: Man. So you're the reason this bombed. <clears throat> I'm one of the reasons. Okay, one of the reasons. All right, Brad. What about you? Did you see it opening weekend?
1: Uh, yes, I did. Okay. I saw it. I believe I might have seen it with Charlie. To be perfectly honest with you.
0: So. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, what was I living? bit I. I think I would have been living in that area about then. Yeah. Um, I did not see this with you or Charlie. So um, e after love, I saw right? Step Up 3D, that, that was the first one. Because I went right out. I took off work to go see Step Up 3D. You e pray
1: that. love. You saw the you e pray love. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like my feature. dance films. I really oh.
0: like my dance films in 3D. Um, but after that, uh, and are there was, any other kind really? True. True. <laughs> um, I was a huge Edgar Wright fan because yep. of his previous film, um, Hot Fuzz. So I, I don't know how you guys discovered Edgar Wright, but when we talk about filmography, I mean Edgar Wright did a lot of TV, and probably the the most famous um, TV show that he did that everybody knows about is Spaced. And I don't know if you guys have seen that. Oh yeah, fantastic. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. So then he hits Simon the... Pegg's in that, right? Yes. yes. That's where he yep. And he hits the scene big time with Shaun of the Dead in 2004. Now, I never saw that Perfect in the theater. Movie. And I, I discovered that you know in, in uh, home media. But after seeing Shaun of the Dead, the movie that I was most excited for was his next one. And that was Hot Fuzz. And that came out in 2007. Now, full disclosure. Hot Fuzz for me is a top five film of all time. Yes. I freaking love Hot Fuzz. Unfortunately, You would
1: take Hot, you would take hot Fuzz over Shaun of the Dead?
0: Yes, day okay. all day. I, but I'm I'm, I'm an action junkie too. So yeah. I love horror films. But if I had to rank things, I mean I'm I'm it's all action films. Um.
1: But to it, be fair, after Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright could have put out, hey, I'm gonna film this paint drying and you're gonna love it. And I would've been like, okay, I'm there opening weekend. <laughs> he could have done anything and I would have seen it after Shaun of the Dead. So yeah, oh, Shaun I of the Dead I, yeah. for
2: me edges out Hot Fuzz by just a hair.
0: And that's fair. I I, I I can't like disagree with that because yeah. from a horror fan aspect, I think you said it, Brad. Shaun Shaun of the Dead's pretty much a perfect film. I mean, it yeah. is the perfect horror comedy. Yeah. Hot Fuzz to me is the is the perfect um action satire. Uh, and it's so rewatchable, and it it not only does a great dissection of what the american action film is but then replicates (laughs) it far better than most american action films i mean they watch bad boys in it (laughs) and point break seen bad boys too yeah (laughs) and point break yeah um so i when this came out and i i everything in the expendables i've got a man crush on jason statham so i'm gonna go see (laughs) that i love jet lee uh I mean Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but I gotta say, Scott Pilgrim came before The Expendables. Loved it. Um, saw both of these after, of course, I saw Step Up 3D. Um, but I, I gotta ask you guys the whole filmography. And we may have, you may have kind of showed your hand a little bit. But Edgar Wright, he's got Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, The World's End, Baby Driver. Um, I'll say it now, that filmography by itself is fan. Fantastic. Oh, like yeah. I love every one of those films yeah. but if you guys had to pick your favorite do you have a favorite out of that
1: oh mines hot fuzz I think I'm one of the only people in the world that doesn't love baby driver I think it's okay uh, but I'm not like totally in love with it um I wish I liked it more okay but hot fuzz you? I think I think hot fuzz is amazing now is it in my top five no but it's it's up there
2: yeah Shaun of the what dead Shaun of the dead hot fuzz I, I enjoyed Baby Driver, um, only because Edgar Wright um, tried something new um, with his style, and I, I think he missed his mark a little bit. Still a good film. Um, but with Scott Pilgrim, uh, I, to me, I think that was some of his, his best
0: directorial
2: work, hands down.
0: Really? Yeah. So you'd pick Scott out of that <clears throat> filmography. Scott Pilgrim's your favorite. And then Brad, you're in my camp. Hot Fuzz is number one. Yes. Yeah. All right.
1: So you can keep me around now.
0: i (laughs) Um, got to tell you, my son, uh, we actually thought we were going to get him to share his thoughts on this because he watches Scott Pilgrim probably once every other month. Um, And he has since he discovered it. I mean, that is one of his favorite films. But the month that he's not watching Scott Pilgrim, he's watching Baby Driver. Um, That's his other... And I'll say this. I think at 15, he is not just discovering film right and uh i mean he we're we're into the criterion collection right now we're going through like samurai <laughs> films Ooh, what's, and stuff what's, like that what spy number are you on uh i don't know i mean we're just we're <laughs> jumping around based on his taste but what's interesting is those two films specifically are starting to transform his music taste as well and yep. he's starting to explore bands that he's discovering through edgar wright films which i think is pretty fascinating so i i'm i'm a proud dad man um you know my son loves those two films he 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 loves the the edgar wright filmography up oh, yeah. and down yep. but i would have it, loved
1: to have seen his ant-man
0: uh yeah you can tell in ant-man some of the edgar wright stuff that's in there i think yeah 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 um so it was a total bomb when it got released um it has become a cult following now behind the scenes we have director edgar wright screenplay was by michael bacall and edgar wright it's based on a graphic novel by brian lee o'malley o'malley I'll, i never get last names right <laughs> um and what's interesting and john help me out here um because i know two things one uh when we asked you to come on the show i know you've watched scott pilgrim at least five times is that accurate
2: uh, that day yes
0: Yes, so between, <laughs> in a matter of like seven days, you've watched Scott Pilgrim five times, and you are um, extremely knowledgeable about the source material. It's my understanding that when Scott—so the movie is based on the second book, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. First and second. Yes, but the t- it takes its title from the second book, Yes, right? yes. Okay. Um, now when they were developing the screenplay and the the first book was kind of given to Edgar Wright at a Shaun of the Dead screening Yeah. by the time they get to book six the book hadn't been finished yet but the screenplay had been done correct? Right. yes Okay. so this is a case where the entire story arc within Scott Pilgrim the six book series is not complete but the screenplay had been finished and they're ready to go into production yeah. um, and Uh, Michael and Edgar were very gracious in making sure that um, Brian O'Malley, O'Malley, whatever, um, has been uh, included within the production in and of itself. Oh, yes. Um, And it's my understanding that things that occurred in the screenplay actually occurred first. And made it to the graphic novel. So they were both influencing each other. Like both mediums were influencing each other at the same time. Is that yes, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It kind of like what you mentioned before with like Watchmen. You know. Um, there were some creative changes. Because for the graphic novels. This just felt better. You know. It, it, it was better. But for the movie. Let's tweak it this way. And, and see what how it works. And it worked out really good.
0: Because they, uh, they
2: did two versions of the ending. And they test screened them. And one didn't do so hot.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, also on top of that, Bill Pope is the cinematographer behind the scenes. Yep. Um, editors Jonathan Amos and Paul Moklis. Before we get to the cast, I, do you guys pay attention at the end of the film? So, you get to the film, you get to the credits, you read through the credits. And again, this is my favorite thing about the podcast. Regardless of how many people are listening, it's given me a chance to take a film. And for a week, just study it, live in it. And I know you did that, John. Oh yeah. You lived and breathed. How, oh, my did God. you have the soundtrack playing on the whole time too? Oh, absolutely. I
2: even, uh, you know, like you said, our kids are great because I asked my kids. I never thought they, I never thought they watched it. I knew my son Bishop watched, um, you know, the Cornetto series. Bishop uh, mm-hmm. like the X Men character? No, he, he oh. he's like me. He can't stand the X Men movies, but um,
0: oh.
2: yeah, he <laughs> loved. At World's End is actually his favorite bishops Ooh, yeah. favorite film is that world's end yes of all things really um but then i said well have you seen scott pilgrim and he's like oh remlin i just watched that the other day again i said again he's like yeah he's like i was like you guys are cool oh
0: you, I, I gotta say this i mean I, I know everybody out there thinks they have the coolest kids but john brad and i have the coolest kids i'm, yes. I'm sorry internet we win yeah.
2: <laughs> we will fight you
0: <laughs> we will fight you. Um, but so at the end, of, at, at the end of the film credits, you always get the special thanks. To you. Do you guys pay attention to this section of the film? Certain aspects, yes. Do you, Brad? You're gonna,
1: ha- you're gonna have to enlighten me on which, what the special thanks is. With during this one was?
0: Well, I mean, my first question is like, when do you do you get that far deep in a film where you stay for the credits? Well, yeah, let me I... ask you this, Brad. I got to know this. So when you go to a movie and um, you're sitting in the movie theater and the movie's over. When do you leave? Do you leave when the credits are over or after the film's over?
1: I usually stay as long as I can. I usually have to pee. um, (laughs)
2: Because (laughs) I splurge.
1: (laughs) I splurge. And I always get a large cherry coke because that's like my one vice. And um, so by the time, you know, you're in a theater for three hours, I got to pee. So you better hurry this up. And I got to sit through like four stinger scenes so by the time the end of the credits come, I am hightailing it out. So,
0: <laughs> so based on that alone, you don't pay attention to the special things. What, Did I'm you sorry? even hear my question? No,
1: I, my headphones fell off. Okay, so, so based, based on that
0: alone, <laughs> John and I are both looking at you like, what, what's he doing? <laughs> uh, so based on that alone, you don't you don't stay to the special things. Well, <clears throat> no. I I used to kind. John, do you do you do you pay attention to that part? Uh, different aspects. Um,
2: you know, if I love the visual effects, I'm there for the visual effects artists. I want to see, you know, the studios behind it and all that good stuff. But um, this, right. but this for this particular film, I totally missed the special things.
0: Oh yeah. So I was doing it because Cameron and I were arguing with my wife Tabitha <laughs> because she always thought this film was like, man, eh, it's all right. And John, you you watched it the night that I rewatched it with Cameron, and of course we're laughing through the whole thing. And just for proof. You heard her laughing through the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yes. And after it was over, she's like, yeah, that is a really good (laughs) film. Yeah. (laughs) So as we're arguing with her and and making sure she understands it, I kind of look up, timing's right, special thanks, and I'm like, J.J. Abrams? Well, okay. Uh, Joe Cornish, right? Yeah, same country, I guess. Da-da-da. Guillermo del Toro? That one surprised me. Kevin Smith? Okay. I kind of get that. Quentin Tarantino, Brad, got a special thanks. Mm. And here's where I went down the rabbit hole. One name came up, and I'm like, what does that mean? Jackie Chan. So, I'm like, why are these people showing up in the special thanks? Come to find out. And Brad, this is for you. Quentin Tarantino, and John, since since you are the all-knowing when it comes to comic book films and help me with this story john yeah. apparently quentin tarantino got to see a cut of this film before it was even finished yes. Is that right yes okay and quentin tarantino gives edgar some advice and says hey your intro sucks right so you are not establishing any of the characters it's not bringing anybody in and so he gives him some notes is that is that how the story goes john that's
2: pretty much the yeah That's the way it went down.
0: He was like, uh, hey,
2: look, let's tighten this up here a little bit.
0: Yep. And so the entire intro through the credits is really influenced by Quentin Tarantino. So then I'm like, wait a second. Why is Jackie Chan in here? And I do some research and I can't figure it out. So I'm like, well, let's just go back to the credits. Then I see stunt coordinator and I see Bradley Allen James. And I'm like, wait a minute. That name sounds familiar, but I don't know what that is. So you do the Google search, Bradley Allen's picture comes up, and I'm like, I kind of know that guy, but then um, it's it's usually Bradley Allen, and it was the you know the whole three name portion coming up that threw me off, and then I'm like, well just go to his filmography, filmography, Mr. Nice Guy, Gorgeous, Rush Hour 2, The Tuxedo, Shanghai Nights, New Police Story, Rush Hour 3, Chinese Zodiac, but it was the film Gorgeous that totally tipped me off. Brad, John, do you know who Bradley Allen James is?
1: I don't. I'm trying. You keep bringing it up. I'm like, I should know who this person is.
2: All I remember is that he is a member of the Jackie Chan stunt team.
0: Yes. Yeah. And if you watch Gorgeous, he's sort of the main antagonist. So he's this short little white guy. Ah. He does like the five kicks in the air against Jackie. Yes. Okay. And and Gorgeous, you know, for full disclosure, is my wife's favorite Jackie Chan film, and I love it. I mean, Shuki, I, I think it's a great film. It's fun. Ending's a little wonky, but I still love it. But Bradley Allen James and the fight sequences with Jackie are a standout. But oh, wow. what makes Bradley Allen James not only unique in that he was part of Jackie Chan's stunt team, but he was the first ever non Asian member of the Jackie Chan stunt team. And he actually studied under the same Wushu team that Jet Li was a part of. Oh. That guy has some credentials. Um,. Guillermo del Toro was the one who recommended Bradley James – Bradley Allen James to Edgar Wright. And then Bradley brought in um, a fight choreographer that he's worked with before, uh, Peng Zhang. And that's where you get the Jackie Chan um, sort of special thanks, is because in, in bringing Bradley to the crew, obviously Jackie Chan and Bradley go way back, and they were still working with each other. Oh, yeah but yeah. um that that is why and we'll get to the choreography but behind the scenes that is why um things are so awesome in this film in terms of fight choreography and yep. stunts you have a guy that comes from jackie chan's stunt team running the whole production behind the scenes for stunt coordination yeah yeah it...
1: and you tweeted at edgar wright and he answered your question
0: yes oh, yes that was um, very cool do you do you want to share that brad i don't know if i have it I don't want to pull up your tweet. It's your tweet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so as soon as I discover this, and um, I think it was a... So, John, we watched, uh, I think, this film together on Thursday night. So I get up on Friday, and I do follow Edgar Wright on Twitter. And he is actually posting something about Police Story 4 and specifically sharing a link to the latter sequence, which that film was nominated, I think I, it won that year for um, Best... Uh, stunts from the what the equivalent is for the Hong Kong um, Academy Awards, right? But they actually have a special category for fight choreography, and that year Jackie Chan won for that sequence. Yep. So with most, you know, uh, Edgar Wright tweets something, everybody's, <laughs> which I find funny. Ed, Edgar Wright does this tweet, and everybody responds to him and says, Oh, but you have you seen Cynthia Rothrock or <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, and, and the whole. You know, I, I, what would you call all of the dialogue that happens in a tweet? Is there an official. The thread. Name for the thread? Yep, the thread. Yeah, or a, Yeah, okay. Thread or conversation. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm real internet savvy here. So yeah. the thread is all. <laughs> Come on, Dad. <laughs> I know. The, the thread is all filled with all these recommendations to Edgar Wright saying, oh, have you seen this film? Have you seen that film? Michelle, yo, Sam O'Hong, Yum Piao. And it's like, dude, this guy has seen everything yeah. if he's getting, you know, um, basically the stunt coordinator um that has been on jackie Chan's stunt team so my question was when you and bradley james allen were working on scott pilgrim were there any jackie chan sequences you took inspiration from he actually replied to my tweet and said yes all of them (laughs) i thought that was fantastic that's how you started friday man yeah yeah that, that was awesome very cool um but yeah, hey folks, pay attention to the special thanks at the end of the film because if you want to do you a go deep to, dive research. Yeah, if you just
1: want to, yeah. you know, waste an afternoon, it's going to be not
0: wasted. I know. It was an epiphany. Yeah. And it was another reason to tell my wife why she should love this film because her <laughs> favorite Jackie Chan film, that guy did this film. Let's talk about the cast. We haven't got to the cast yet. Um Michael Sarah, Scott Pilgrim, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ramona Flowers, Anna Kendrick. I forgot she yeah. was in this. Stacy Pilgrim, Ellen Wong, Knives Chow. I'm gonna call it now, scene stealer. Everything she's in it's it's awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Um Karen Culkin, which is part of the Culkin family, right? Yep. Yeah. Um Wallace Wells, again, scene stealer in everything he's in. <laughs> uh, um Allison Pill, uh played by Kim Pine. Which, um, that's my daughter right there. <laughs> <laughs> Back me up on that, guy. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Jason Schwartzman, Gideon Graves, um, my other man crush, Chris, Chris Evans, Lucas Lee. <laughs> this one I told I, I, it shocked me like how did I not know this? <laughs> Brie Larson. NBA. Yeah. yeah. So two MCU powerhouses whoa, and a Superman. Whoa, whoa. Yes. Oh, we're getting to that. So yeah. Aubrey Plaza, Julie Powers, she is awesome. Yes. And then um as Todd Ingram, Superman. So Brandon, Ruth, Ralph, 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 Ralph. Ruth, yeah. Ralph. Ralph, Ralph. Man, you are bad at last night. Right? I <laughs> told you. I nobody look. I corrected him
2: like 24 hours ago too.
0: I know. <laughs> everybody gets my last name wrong. So <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm gonna just... butcher everybody else's name. <laughs> Um, and, hey, let's face it. Brandon is a scene stealer as well. Um, oh, yeah. So i got to ask you guys. First question. Is Michael Cera... <laughs> you, did on, I I you did that on purpose. I hope you did that on purpose. Okay. Uh, is he... <clears throat> is he overshadowed is by he the Is he the weakest link in this movie? Yes, he is.
1: Moving on. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Cera is outplayed by everyone in this movie. Um, I like him okay but he is nothing without the supporting cast um every time he interacts with someone it is that person is turning it up to 11 um i i think that honestly he is i I don't know if i think scott pilgrim is a great character like a likable character um i think everyone else around him knows he's not likable and calls him out on it and i think michael sarah plays that well but i I honestly think that the supporting cast around him is what makes this movie well that's not fair because it's this movie's made up a lot of things but the supporting (laughs) cast does help so
2: yeah i have to agree uh so trey i have to agree with brad Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay i deserve that (laughs) yeah i mean brad hits it on the head Uh, michael sarah playing scott pilgrim he is scott pilgrim but um you know the 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 x's the other supporting cast uh, in the comics they just came to life in this film that if if they had not pulled that off this movie would not even have made 2 million dollars i mean they they just did such a wonderful wonderful job
0: with this i i initially thought that i i, I feel like i don't want to throw michael under the bus totally he is fantastic in this film, but when you look at the character, Scott Pilgrim, and, and maybe it's because I actually took time this week to go back and, and read the graphic novels, all six of them, and, and see that story <laughs> arc, but even without that, before it, I, I never thought that he was the weakest link. It was just, um, and I hope I articulate this the right way, he had to play that role in order for everybody else to shine. Like, a, as a good actor, you can have somebody who's turning it up to 11, but if everybody's turning it up to 11, it's total chaos. There has to be a balance. I think of that scene... This in movie like, isn't
1: total chaos?
0: <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's controlled chaos.
1: Yeah. I, okay. I
0: think that's what makes it so good. <laughs> okay. But I'm thinking about the scenes, especially with, um, you know, Scott Pilgrim and Ramona Flowers, it shouldn't work if you actually take a step back and look on paper what these people have done to other people. I think you're right, Brad. A lot of this film, everybody knows that um, Scott Pilgrim not a good guy when it comes to relationships. Um, and neither is Ramona Flowers when she starts going back and talking about why she left, you know, um, one guy for the next guy. And, and at the end of the day, why she has seven evil exes. But I actually think Michael does a fantastic job from an acting perspective, because if if he didn't play the character the way he did, I don't think everybody else would have been um, able to shine the way they did. Like I, I, it's the whole Avin Costello thing, right? I mean, you, you know, uh, the Jerry Martin, uh, Jerry Martin, Dean Martin, Jerry D Lewis, Martin, get it right, Trey. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> Joe, Johan <laughs> is that, is that how you say it? Um, but yeah no uh, i i do think like the way he plays that character and how it transforms um, i think it's fantastic and i think some of the funniest moments i laugh at everything oh. but every time they comment on his hair yeah, the yeah. You know, he's got his cap on gonna, and yeah. he's playing i mean it, He's playing his arrested development character. There's there's no doubt about right. it.
2: Right. And that's well, that that's where I'm saying. and maybe Brad you can agree too. I mean that's what I'm saying without them they, they he couldn't have brought that character to to the level he needed to bring it to, you know what I mean? He had to play off of what They were the knives, you know, knives saying, oh, your hair looks a little shaggy, and then it's cut, cut, and he's got the hat on. It's like, you know, without her doing that, we wouldn't have gotten that out of him. So I'm still saying, you know, while he did a good job, I, I, like I said, I I still love him as Scott Pilgrim. I, I think the supporting cast is what really, really flushes this whole thing out. There's nothing wrong with, like, an assist
1: guy, like, on a basketball team, a guy who just... Assists everyone else and they score points like that guy's still a good basketball player he's just setting everyone else up I think that's kind of what you were getting at Troy is Sarah's kind of setting everyone else up for you know for the alley-oop the dunk (laughs) on everyone um and I think he does a good job I'm not saying he's bad in this movie I just think that I enjoy the peripheral characters more than Scott Pilgrim that might just be because they're more interesting um Scott Pilgrim is a little one-note for me, um, so yeah.
0: One-note? That's interesting. Why? Why one-note?
1: Well,
0: I, he just seems to be so
1: emo all the time, <laughs> and it's a bit much. Like he just is he not relatable? To me, no.
0: Oh, no. oh, real okay. He's not relatable. <laughs> what, what is that? What? what? Well, I'm just – I'm asking. I, I, I think it's an interesting um, – Like I, how would I relate
1: to Scott Pilgrim?
0: I Well, I, that's one of the questions I've written down because if – when you think about the story – so the story in and of itself, um, at the core, it's about dealing with a person's view of another person's dating history, right? As well as coming to terms with maybe your own dating or romantic relationship mistakes. Would, would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay. So um, it it's an incredible balance of action in a romantic comedy genre. I mean, I, I think he just hits every note within those two genres. But um, I find Scott Pilgrim super relatable because if you go back and think about all of the relationships, even the relationships with our wives right now, can you not think of that instance where maybe, you know, before marriage or, you know, you're you're dating your wife, et cetera, that you had to encounter maybe the same things that Scott did in having to kind of battle whatever baggage or past that the significant other brings to the table and then what your reaction is to it. Now, this is to the extreme, right, because anytime there's some type of emotional sequence that is going to happen instead of breaking out into a musical, because that, you know, that's what Edgar Wright said, he says. You know, instead of characters breaking into song and dance, they're breaking into fight. But, nary, uh, from a narrative standpoint, it's a musical. But as soon as emotion is going to hit, the emotion is really coming back from can you deal with that person's exes? Did you not have Brad to deal with a Gideon pre-marriage?
1: No, not really. I mean, I don't. I mean, before Brad, you know, you know, BB. I, I, don't really, I don't really care I don't really care because that's not really something it, it's like when you buy a used car like it's got mileage on it but it still runs it's fine okay everything is full good.
0: disclosure <laughs>
1: we're, we're not our wives used car oh my god no, don't say it, it might have been a but you get what I'm saying like whatever happened before I don't really care oh my like god. it's fine it's fine
2: no man it's
1: fine it's totally – like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just – like, before me – like, honestly, it's really – I wouldn't say none of my business, but it's just – it is what it is. Maybe I'm just too laid back about stuff like that, but I don't really care. John?
2: um, Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry for the used car No, 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 no. We, might we know it's you, man. He shops at wife, we're, Max. We're going to make yeah. sure – yeah, we're going to make sure the wives don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, part, right. <laughs> No, uh, uh, me personally, not. I'm going to go apologize right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. buy a slice of cheesecake or something. But yeah, you know, I'm kind of like Brad. It didn't matter before. Um, ironically, you bring up the question. It was kind of like reversed where um, my wife and I, when we were dating. We, we had broken up a couple of times. We were dating one time, and then um, we went to a, a, a Terps game down there at College Park, and one of her friends asked uh, to come uh, along
0: and guess... John, for non-East Coasters, a uh, Terp is a Maryland Turp. Maryland. Maryland yes. University of Maryland. Yep. Terrapin. Which,
1: tur- <laughs> which is a turtle?
0: Yep. Yertle, the
2: turtle. Oh. Yep. Yertle. So one of, her, one of her friends had asked if he could join us, and come to find out the reason why he wanted to join us was he wanted to see who I was before he asked her out, because apparently he really liked her, and then once he saw me, he like, uh, yeah, he left early. But yeah, so... But yeah, I'm like, right. It didn't matter.
0: What's before is before. Oh no, I, and I'm not saying you had to go on some emotional roller coaster ride. But, nah, but no. What I, what I find, fi- you know, what I find fascinating about this film is, if you go back and think about like, before you get seriously involved with somebody, you go through this stage, and the conversation, the awkward conversation, comes up, and maybe you run into an ex or something of that nature, and that was the inspiration of the comic is Brian is saying there's two things. Yeah. One was, well, what if you played a video a fighting video game, and after finishing it, you gained all of its, you know, um, superpowers or whatever you want to call it, all of its moves. Right. And then the second thing was, well, for all of the people that you um, uh, end up with, what if that person's exes form some kind of evil league? And it was it was sort of a joke between <laughs> him and his wife. But what I love about this film is it... it kind of is a trojan horse where it's an action kung fu yeah. comic book film but inside that trojan horse is this romantic comedy right. and it deals with this whole well you're dealing with your own insecurity and the baggage that comes along when you start when you run into your ex's boyfriend or girlfriend right and hey i i i had a, a scenario with tabitha where i got to meet like her serious boyfriend from high school um it you know not to say his name i will call him carl although i think his name is mike but we'll call him carl crazy crazy carl crazy carl um and i remember that insecurity that that weekend when i was just like why is he driving two hours to come hang out with you with his buddy and he knows we're in some serious relationship. And, and that whole weekend, I had my whole insecurity over Carl. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I appreciate about that film. And that's why I think Michael, um, you know, hit, how he plays Scott Pilgrim is so good because that insecurity comes through. And when you look at it, you go, well, that guy's kind of a jerk. But at the at, when you take a step back and go, hey, it's a heightened sense of probably something that may have happened to us when we encounter you know your wife's ex or your girlfriend's ex and you go yeah i might have acted like that a little bit (laughs) or even how you treated somebody where that whole thing where where they where they you know (laughs) knife's Chow gets the worst out of all the characters but ends up being the most um likable at the end yeah
2: and bless her heart Uh, but yeah yeah bless her because so yeah you you mentioned that i do feel bad because there was oh my god this is so bad i i was dating someone one time and um i was playing my super nintendo system and she called me up (laughs) she asked what i was doing and i was we were talking she's like what do you want to go out and while i'm trying to finish this level i'm like yeah i don't think it's going to work out So, like broke up with her on the phone while playing a video game and then ran into her like two weeks later and i was like oh yeah that was that was sorry i I had to be (laughs) 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 it was it was pretty douchey of me
0: yeah but that's what i love about this film is it it makes you remember those experiences and i think his portrayal as scott pilgrim brings that out a little bit and says yeah i mean you're right the supporting cast on this is fantastic but it doesn't work without michael at as an anchor and taking us really through the journey of that character
1: no i I agree i'm not saying that michael is, is bad or anything like that um I think it just it peaks when other people have their moment in the spotlight. Right. But you know that's probably on purpose because you have to make these X's kind of bigger than life to make them seem like they're these huge. Um, I mean, obviously huge opponents, but just these huge figures yeah. in Ramona's life. So if they're small and you know in that sense, then you're like, well, why is this person a big deal? Right. So they kind of have to be enlarged in a way right
2: yeah i always looked at it like kind of like a Venn's diagram if that makes sense where scott pilgrim is like definitely in the center but all the stuff has to come together to get it all out that was just that was just my whole take on it
0: yeah no that's a good analogy now do you have the favorite x out of the ones that show up man it's
1: hard not to it's hard not to like chris evans because he even has his own skateboarding company
2: yeah (laughs) and his stunt crew yeah, that yeah, the stunt crew's pretty is good. Freaking hilarious. Uh, Todd. Now, yeah.
1: Now, I will say, I think, and this is my one critique of the movie, I think keeping Gideon in the dark until the very end is a mistake. Um, Why is that? Because he's supposed to be the big bad. Um, so, it's like the Jaws analogy, I get it. Like, keep the shark away as long as you can. But... He's supposed to be this big bad. We have zero idea who he is throughout the whole movie. you know. And then there's this big battle. And then kind of that's it. So I feel like it would have been nice to kind of know him before the last 15 minutes of the movie. But I don't know. I just think sometimes when you have a big bad and he's supposed to be the final boss. Um, I don't know. I prefer to to, to have the the final boss be on screen more than you know a few scenes so that's just me
0: it, but isn't that how it works in video game? yeah
1: well I mean sometimes you have the guy come out you know you get that beginning scene of like introduction and then you have to wait to the very end to to kind of beat them <laughs> Bowser you know you always see uh, uh, Bowser so
0: yeah, oh, he's true, know, he's, he's always running man. on yeah. so so chris evans is that what you're you both are thinking or? oh no
2: i'm with i'm Todd. i'm brandon Roth's camp uh, he was you're Todd. it's just the, the basis
0: battle vegan the vegan? vegan powers just the super vegan super vegan um, uh, <laughs> can we talk about how he finishes that bout? Ba- so who shows up john to to because he doesn't beat him in terms of his base right. playing <laughs> but, but he needs a Highlander. the punisher shows
2: up yeah Thomas the, veg- the vegan punisher shows up
0: <laughs> which it shows up in the in the comic too and it you know in print form or in the film it's still freaking hilarious <laughs> yeah. but that whole sequence is fun i i would i used to think it was chris evans was my favorite the whole lucas lee but i gotta tell you um oh, my damn it you know what i'm sorry
1: i always what? get uh what's his name and thomas Shane mixed up who's the highlander
0: Oh, that's uh, Christopher, Christopher Lambert. Lambert.
1: Christopher Lambert. I always
0: are they You not get like Thomas same... Jane, <laughs> and Christopher Lambert. Oh man, just they have the same jawline. I'm sorry. They have the same jawline. Okay,
1: i was trying to not sound like an idiot.
0: So. No, but sorry. I'm telling you, we're gonna have to cut out on this drinking during the podcast
1: thing <laughs> if you make some comments like
0: that. Right. It. It's, it's bubbly. I'm sorry. Okay, um, but oh, so Lucas. I, Really, I think the most fun I have um, in terms of the fight choreography and the one that I actually think is pretty funny is, um, is it Roxy Richter? Yep. Uh, Roxy. That whole sequence when <laughs> Ramona kind of jumps into the fight, it, it is very Jackie Chan-esque how it goes down. But I, I just, I, I love that whole sequence. I think it's hilarious.
1: I think all the fight scenes are great. Oh, yeah. I mean, the... The reason I, I think this movie works is like you said it's a simple like romantic comedy with this like outlandish seven or eight fight scenes that are actually done really really well. You know, they could have they could have gone in a way to where the fight scenes were just kind of thrown together and it would have been fine. Hey, we're going to make a lot of references, we're going to have a lot of special effects. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But they actually like took their time and choreographed like some complex and some interesting fight scenes. Oh, yeah. And they really didn't have to. Like the film, I don't know if mainstream people would have kind of appreciated it any less. But the fact that they went in and, and did that extra work uh, makes me like – makes this movie rewatchable for me because I think the story is okay. It's all the action around it that really makes it rewatchable for me.
2: Yeah, it's the action for me, the music, and just you know the jokes and the and the stuff you pick up, and that, that's why I, you know, I go back and say I think the marketing of it really, really missed its mark because uh you know they they if they had I think if they had just done a little bit showing that hey not only is this you know this type of film but hey here's a bunch of action check come check it out uh, it, it would have done a lot better than what it did.
0: Yeah, I mean I. <clears throat> I think what's fascinating is that the characters the so the seven evil exes all have this fantastic personality it's hard to pick a favorite they're all they're all fun um and the jokes in each one or how he defeats each one i I think is is fantastic (laughs) i mean what i love about the roxy is that you know she keeps telling scott you know he keeps saying oh you have seven you know um evil ex-boyfriends she's like no x's x's yeah and then it it finally you know well this was her experimental <laughs> era and then Roxy shows up um and you you get some wonderful uh commentary off to the <laughs> side where um what is it Wallace is screaming kicker in the ball <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was hilarious yep. um and I, and I love the whole hammer uh, versus, you know, the the knife belt um, fight sequence is just so you see that in Hong Kong films, and you don't see that in American action films because they don't do it as well. But I gotta tell you, if you watch the behind the scenes, the stuff that the cameramen were doing oh, on, was crazy. Uh, to film that whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah. I think half of the special effects. Um, if you own the Blu-ray, I urge you to go back and watch every behind the scenes moment of this thing. But I think half of the special effects of this film are hiding all the bruises and cuts <laughs> the cast got from all the stunt sequences. Um, because there's a whole thing where was um, it Ellen uh, as the character of Nice Chow was showing her leg and arm. She's like, yeah, this was from this practice. And the, I mean, she just—it's it, all bruises up and down. Um, so everybody just trained and, and put, you know, their whole heart and soul yep. into every sequence. Yep. It's so impressive. Um, Let's talk about, you know, before we get to editing, because I do want to spend some time in the editing. There's some shots in this film. I I really feel like this film is a great representation of, you know, developing character through action or even through the scenery. And the thing that sticks out to me, and apparently when they filmed this, um, this wall that had this light switch that was above them it wasn't something they put there, so it's when Scott meets Ramona at the party. Um, that house actually had a house, a house a light switch mm-hmm. that high, but the way he frames it, and at the start of the film, I find that so uh, fascinating because Edgar Wright is giving a visual cue of where these two characters are from, like an emotional maturity level that you know they're they're not grown up, they're not obviously if you know anything about their past going into this film on a rewatch and you see that, you go, oh, that makes perfect sense. They're just kids. I mean, they're they're treating everybody like crap because of their emotional maturity level. But I gotta say, Edgar Wright has so many of those um, sequences in this film that tell about the character of the story from just what they're showing.
1: I don't know what this scene kind of represents or anything like that. I'm not that smart. But the scene... And I think it's in there twice. I think is beautifully like just framed is the swing set in the snow yes. where it's just like this elongated shadow.
0: <clears> oh, like, yeah.
1: That's like the most memorable scene from this yeah. movie. Like this most manic like ADD movie is the scene where the thing I remember the most is a swing set in the snow and like, you know, where lights is kind of casting this long shadow. Um,
0: oh, that's such a good I, scene. I think too. it's yeah. like
1: a great scene and it just is so well done and it's like... You know, great. You know, you have your white snow with your black shadow. It's very you know, there's a lot of contrast, but it just looks
2: beautiful. It does, it? and and if you yeah, if you go back and watch it, it's just their. It, <clears throat> the one thing they picked up on was, it's just their footprints. Like they're the only two people in the world, and there they are alone in in you know while it's snowing and on a swing set. And I I wholly agree. It it, it was it was an amazing it was an amazing sequence they they put together with those shots.
0: Yeah, where are the adults in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> no you know, and for a film that is supposed to represent a comic book film, um that whole sequence with Todd where you get the um was it the the white circles coming off of him when he's using <laughs> his <laughs> vegan powers. Yeah. yeah. There has not been anything as comic that just pops off of the comic book pages. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a sequence that you can point to outside of maybe Angley's Hulk and some of the transitions they do um, towards the back half of the film that look as comic book-ish as some of the stuff in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And, this, and, and Bill Pope, I mean, oh my goodness. It, why didn't he win an Academy Award yeah. for this? I don't know <laughs> yeah. what came out that year, but they should have gave another one to him because everything that it was filmed in this was just fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was, and I again, and like you said, we'll talk about, but a lot of that was Edgar and his his editorial decisions and the cutting. And like you said, it it, it feels like a comic book where Zhang Li's uh, Hulk. You know, they were they force you to think and see that oh, it's kind of like a comic book where this one just yeah. flowed and it's Bing Bang Boom and it just keeps rocking and rolling.
0: Well, that, that's a good trend. Let's talk about the editing. I mean, um, the the sequence when you first see Envy Adams come out and his uh, – the band, it is um, – oh, my gosh. I can't even think of it right now. John, what's what's the band's name? Envy Adams. Yeah,
2: uh, oh. something in Crash.
0: No, no, no. no it's uh, Demon Head. Uh, oh, Demonhead. Clash of Demon Head? Clash yeah, of Demon Head. Yeah. That whole Black Sheep song sequence <laughs> – When they come out and they're playing the song, and you get that four-panel of you know Envy, Todd, Scott, Ramona, and how it pops up in tune with the song itself, which we'll talk about the music here in a second. That is some fantastic editing. Oh yeah. Um, But that this whole movie is filmed with some amazing cutscenes, editing, how they do um, multiple people within frames. It's just. Mind yeah it
2: is yeah, yeah.
1: I, I mean it's a little manic like it's a lot um, and if you're not ready for that like so if someone were to say scott pilgrim is too much for me like there's so much going on i can't really kind of follow it understand it i don't like it it's just too all over the place for me i would totally understand why like there's a lot going on in this movie
2: yeah, I, I yeah, but I think – yeah, there's a lot, but I, I think it's at the point where it's not – while it's a lot, I don't think it's, like, overwhelming. That's why it shook me or shocked me that my kids watched it on their own and really enjoyed it because I thought – like you said, the fast pace and the humor and everything going along with, You don't think it's overwhelming? I mean, I <sighs> – it's like a
1: blitzing <laughs> to your
0: senses. <laughs> well, here's, here's the favorite – I, I – so, um, Peter DeBruge of Variety. So when he wrote his review of it, he liked it. Um, but I, I, this was my favorite comment, uh, about the film that he wrote. And he said, anyone over 25 is likely to find the film exhausting, like playing chaperone at a party full of over college kids.
1: <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree with that a little bit. I mean, in a way, um... Now we're all over 25 and we like this movie, so maybe that's saying something about yeah. us. But no, I, I mean there's just a lot. I mean it just keeps, yeah, yeah. Like you're not falling asleep to this movie. Now.
0: No, no. Oh, I agree. So I, I look at it this way. So you guys know of films that you can't just sit down and have on the background. Yep. So think of any um, prestigious or pretentious artistic films that when you sit there and watch, I mean. I know this is probably a a pretty trite example but Apocalypse Now I can't put Apocalypse Now on without just totally paying attention to it right so you have these films that you gotta follow and there are films with very dense plots right espionage thriller um, the spy who came from out of the cold anything of that nature right (laughs) you've really gotta sit down and pay attention or you're gonna lose out on something I think Scott Pilgrim is the equivalent of that, but in a very pop culture-ish way. And whereas some of these films may be slow-moving, dense, very visual, you got to unpack them. Scott Pilgrim is the same way, but it's just probably um, taking that film and putting it in fast forward. Um, What I love about Scott Pilgrim is it is one of those films that every time you watch it, you're going to get something else out of it because there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, you're
1: inevitably gonna miss something the first few times that you see it. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. but if somebody were to tell me, well, I I didn't like it because it was too much, I would say, okay, if if you say it's too much because you don't like it the same, you don't like this other David Lynch film, like Mulholland Drive, that you really got to pay attention to and understand the symbolism and stuff like that, I'm with you. But if you say it's too much and it's like, you know, snorting Fun Dip and having a Mountain Dew, and (laughs) at that point, I'd be like, well. You're not getting it. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, I get it, but you you are not the normal <laughs> movie goer. What's that supposed well, to mean? Well, you we're doing a movie podcast. So obviously we oh, okay, okay. we appreciate T-share. things yeah. at a different level. <laughs> so you got to think that most people aren't going to put in an effort
0: for Scott Pilgrim. Well, do you, do you guys know of people like I? The guy I grew up with, Kevin, is not a fan of Scott Pilgrim. Charlie hates this movie. What? Uh, yeah, it, it, and that confuses me because on everything else, I feel like I'm in line with them. But when this comes up, it's a very divisive film where people will go. Typically, you think, oh, they love this, and they go, nah, that that movie sucks. Did, why? Do you guys know? I mean, I'm I'm always I can't wrap my head around this one.
2: I I, I think. <sighs>
0: i think i think brad
2: hits it then um you know
0: it's just there's just so much for the
2: senses and so much to pick up on and so much to listen and and pay attention to to fully understand what's going on that you know um where the average movie girl says oh here i am with my popcorn and soda entertain me this you got to pay attention to a little bit and they just don't want to do that if that makes sense Well, and also a lot of
1: times people assume making references is an easy way to make jokes Uh, Family Guy, for instance, is completely referential humor, which this kind of has a lot of references back to a lot of video games. Now, these aren't just like, hey, we're going to say Super (laughs) Mario Brothers or Legend of Zelda. We're going to make like the level up sound from Zelda or something like that. So, you know, it's different, but a lot of times when things are being referenced and you're not getting the references or you don't understand what they're saying – you lose people, um, and again, people like us who kind of are into that culture and into everything this movie is kind of giving to us, yeah, we appreciate it. But maybe people who don't understand what the hell a Legend of Zelda is or what a <laughs> what a bomb is, they don't understand and don't care and – you know, I'm just. Yeah, and I, I get it. I get it.
2: Yeah, and I think, to me, again, that goes back to the marketing. Because if you watch like the official trailer for this, um, y- you don't get any of that. You know, where I- I'm sure if they had like a Teenage Son, and they heard in the background, was, was that the fairy music from Zelda playing? You know, what I mean, they-, they would gather more interest. But the way it, they, they, they put it out there, you just, you just don't get that.
0: Well, John, so I know. <clears throat> Of between the three of us, you would get just about every reference that's in that film. And I know you've watched it like five times <laughs> in the last seven days you were making notes i mean mia told me you were making tons of notes so what what type of references are actually in this film just just to give everybody who hasn't seen it well yeah like like uh brad mentioned there's the
2: zelda there's mario um you know the um the fairy music when you know you you run into him with zelda um i caught i'm not sure if it's accurate but like the sequence where he's in the desert the dream desert i took that from final fantasy 8 where squall's thinks he's dead, and he actually says, I'm all alone, and, you know, these their characters come back, and I saw that in Scott Pilgrim. Um, You know, when he does the baseline from, this was from Final Fantasy 2, which, if you're a super nerd like me, you'll understand that was actually Final Fantasy 3? 4? Was it 4? Yeah, 4. 4? Yeah, 4 here, and then... 4 yeah. here, yeah. Um, so it's really really embedded in there um and if you if you're not paying attention to it or don't have that quick ear for it yeah you'll miss it so it, it's it was well, really cool even stuff.
0: Throw in a seinfeld reference oh right, yeah of course
2: music. seinfeld you know there's a lot of pop stuff i mean um even the opening uh not too many spoilers but there's there's a throw out to Shaun of the dead you know, and it's it's basically a cutscene, you know, a, a panel directly from the comic, which I think he got from Shaun of the Dead, because he might have been a huge fan, that's why it writes on there, and it's in the movie, and it's it's pretty awesome, I mean, there's just a lot of really cool stuff, like, you know, Ready Player One, if you spent time watching it, you watched it first time, you love it, I spent the next 50 times watching it, picking out every single thing I could finally pick out, you know, in that movie from all i childhood stuff so yeah it, it, there was a lot of cool stuff in there
1: and g-man is the actual forgot yes
0: come on John. forgot <laughs> about that well because i'm still waiting for half-life 3 oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah wait a while well so i i had this question right down I, I mean one of the things that this film kind of deals with is the past mm-hmm. right so it's everything you bring to it And this film really is stuck with, I think, um, Scott Pilgrim's references to everything in the past childhood. So it's the 8-bit, the 16-bit era video games, the references to pop culture. Um, And at the end of the day, you get a main character that you're supposed to get behind who really is a man-child, right? Oh, yes. Um, And so I guess my question is is Edgar Wright using these references from the point of just referencing from a stylistic standpoint to say, I'm making a pop culture movie or is he using the references to highlight the fact that Scott Pilgrim cannot get out of the past?
1: I think it's a hundred percent the latter.
2: Like
0: yeah.
1: His mo- like, so you could maybe say, Hey, this is happening in his mind. So, you know, when something happens, he associates, oh, that's the sound from Legend of Zelda. So that's just going off in his head because, like you said, he's a man-baby, and that's all he knows. And he is unable to, you know, grow up. So he uses those associations with things that are good or bad or whatever.
2: And if you watch the movie, you'll definitely see that. But if you also read, you know, the comics, I'm sure you saw that, Troy, too. I mean, it it was really deep in there how just – how deep he would go into some of his, like, psychoses and having to deal with a lot of stuff, especially with these exes.
0: Oh, yeah. The, the, the comic does a fantastic oh, yeah. job of, if you really want to get into character development of Scott yeah. Pilgrim and see, like, his character arc through the whole thing, that that resonates 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, his his growth is detailed, and, and it's... I understand why everybody was so fervently passionate about the comic yeah. book. Um, and... It, it's a fantastic read. Uh, I I really yeah. enjoyed it, and I my son was the one who's like, oh, if you're gonna watch that movie again and talk yep. about it, you have to read the comic. Yep. It's like, all right. And
2: if I'm not um, mistaken, um, 2010 and 2011, Brian Lee O'Malley won the Will Eisner Award for his work on Scott Pilgrim, which is actually a big deal. It's like the SAG Awards, but it's all comic mm-hmm. book creators, and um, they get together to vote to what they thought was the best. And Scott Pilgrim came out on top, and he won it two years in a row.
0: Uh, it's well deserved, man. Brad, if you haven't read it yet, you, you need to. Okay. Especially if you yeah. love this film. It, it's worth it. So, here's another question I have. Um, and I, I urged both of you because I'd, I'd spent like an entire morning <laughs> going through <laughs> all the special features. did the your Troy, features. Thing. You I did <laughs> Troy thing. Um, and going back to the editing, if you watch the deleted scenes on the Blu ray, uh, I'm telling you, there were some sequences that. You know, if you look at the the Patel fight sequence, which is very Bollywoodish, right? There are some things that were left on the cutting room floor that, when you go back and look at it versus what actually made it in the final print, again, in terms of timing, pace, editing, Edgar Wright, it's fantastic, brilliant, because he would cut out just additional lines here and there to keep the pace yep. going and keep that flow going. And the deleted scenes really highlight how good they were at um editing the film however john you can give us a little background on this just because i know we talked about it maybe an hour ago but when the comic book was being made um and the film was being written from a script perspective neither one had an ending finish no not then yeah not not in not in pre-production i mean
2: pre-production they were getting the whole idea together and they were talking to brian lee and he was like oh, i love it i you know let's let's you know take it come back and let me see what you got and let's go with it. And yeah, it's, it's once they got to that point, then it was like, you know, they had to call him back up and says, Hey, look, we need you to give us some of what you're thinking here. Cause we need to, we kind of need to tie this all together.
0: Yeah. Cause they shot an ending and it's in the deleted <coughs> scenes and uh, they actually, it's not just an, it's not just the last few scenes, but the final dream, dream sequence. So when he dies, Um, From then on, there are some changes in the script, but also how it ends. And the changes in the dialogue that happens in the dream sequence kind of tip their hand in terms of how it's going to end. Um, And it lines up with actually some of the things that were happening in the comic book. But, you know, the comic book ending is the exact same ending as the final film. Right,
2: and that, again, is because they actually had a talk, and he brought they they decided it was best to bring it all kind of in line, because that's what it apparently seemed to be for both audiences comic books and movies that this is what they really wanted to see happen so
0: right but the original ending was that he ends up with With knives Knives chow Chow, yep so i gotta ask you guys did scott end up with the right person in the comic or the final version of the film not at all why brad
1: because knives is a much better person than ramona Period. Uh, Not is a much more likable character. She is someone who I think is probably the most decent person in this whole universe. Um, obviously would fight for um, Scott Pilgrim because she does. Um, and I guess... I don't know. The age thing is a little weird, but I don't know. <laughs> but again... I think that sh- that she should have been the person that he gets with because of the fact that Scott realizes that, hey, I was chasing this person with all this baggage and fighting for this person, and I don't even know if this person really even is into me that much, but maybe I'm into all the drama that is around this person, but this person over here is someone who could make life much easier for me, and... That's usually like... I don't know. Don't go for the drama. Don't yeah. go for the drama. <laughs> yeah. It's always been it bad.
2: Uh, uh, all right, John. I got low your maintenance. Opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, not only in the comics, but the movies. I mean, she basically tells him, this is how shallow I am. I was dating Todd until this guy came around the next week, and I dumped Todd. I mean, that's how shallow she was, whereas Knives was... Yeah, she's naive, she's young, but yeah. Anybody's going to fight with some butterfly swords with <laughs> for you. Um, yeah, that's a keeper.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, so the sequence that really tips it off is that when he has the dream sequence, and Ramona says, I don't know anybody as dedicated as Knives is about yeah. you. I mean, she is pointing out that, you know, this is a person that... Out of all the characters within the film, Nice Chow, is I think you said it perfectly, Brad. You know, she's the best character in yeah. terms of integrity and um, likability and, and everything yeah. else. But I got to say, I i think Ramona is where it should have ended, and it did. Um, in the comic, and I, I this was interesting. Now, there's no way, I, I was thinking about this, there's no way they could have put it in the film... But he meets knives uh, at a party, yeah. and then <laughs> basically asks her. He's, you know, they're getting along, and at some point he's like, "Hey, sh- can we make out?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, N- "No." <laughs> and you, you were a crappy boyfriend, and da da da. And she's going off to, to you know, um, college, and and to do all you know these great things as an adult, because in the comic she actually turns 18, yep. and all of a sudden you know Scott doesn't have a thing about dating a high schooler, but. I gotta say, um, I like the idea. I going through self development and fighting these seven X's, and at the end of the day, ending up with knives. I think it would have taken away a little bit from the film because I do, I do get the concern that why go through all this trouble and then not end up with her. And as bad of maybe choices that she made, her and Scott have made the same choices through their whole romantic relationship. Right. They both dumped on each other right and left, and this whole film is them about going through personal growth and ending in a place where they can continue together and maybe help each other out. And I like that story. Now, but isn't
1: ended... but but couldn't personal growth be hey we went through all this stuff together and maybe we realize we're probably not good for each other?
2: Yeah, I mean, could you take that you know the symbolism of what at the very end of the movie? What's it say? continue, question mark, and it does the countdown, you know what I mean so do they continue on
1: I just think that you know, there, there are times where you go through all these things with someone and then you get to the end of the journey and actually the most mature responsible thing to do is just to say, hey I know we went through all this this isn't good, this isn't what we need <laughs> yeah. so let's yeah. just, let's just yeah. go and go our separate ways and that's what people who look inward and say yeah i know this chase is fun but it's not gonna
0: work i i don't disagree like i said when i first saw that scene and i'm like "Ooh, that's how it should have ended and then maybe again i was influenced a little bit more through the comic you you get a little bit more understanding of what was going on with those characters um and then when i look back at like again edgar wright and uh pope's framing of certain things and how they're telling the story of the character development and what these two characters go through i do like the fact that they endure all of this stuff and they are basically starting over and saying we dealt with each other's baggage right you know she had to deal with envy he had to deal with the the seven x's she fights for him at one point as much as he's fighting for her and i think they both grow up and they come to a point where they can start over and say yeah let's continue because um, you're right, Brad. I mean, you could come to a realization and go, this is too toxic. <laughs> the best thing for us is to depart. But I think those two have both grown to a point where he can accept all the things that he's done and he makes amends to everybody. Um, she is no longer controlled by her exes. So that means she's not carrying that baggage around. So it feels like a fresh start and I like that part of the ending. Yeah. I, yeah. I
1: could have been good with either that way, original. But... That original ending is, even though I, I always thought Knives was the right choice. It's jarring. It's really weird the way... I don't even think it's, like, done well. I, <laughs> I think that ending my, that could have worked, it's just... I don't know. I don't think it was great the way they executed it. No. Um, like, Ramona walks off without even, like, saying anything, and he has to kind of, like, go walk to her, and it's just kind of... I don't know. I, I didn't like how it all played out. Like, I think the conclusion was kind of what I wanted but that original ending is weird (laughs) and it it might just be weird because I know how it ends in the actual movie and seeing something different is like just jarring but I find it just uh, poorly executed I I, I agree
0: I mean and and again I think I think it it highlights that you know Scott and Knives work well together they're a fantastic team Um, and that's probably what makes the ending feel good but I think they don't stick the landing on that one but I think they stick the landing with the one they ended up using from a theatrical cut I think it works well yeah it does let's talk about music real quick Um, holy cow Uh, broken social scene right (laughs) Beck, Metric, Cornelius um, is it Plumtree which the Scott so Plumtree did the song Scott Pilgrim which kind of inspired the character Scott Pilgrim. Um, I love, love this oh, soundtrack.
1: Yes. Yeah, this for those is... playing at home, I think this is the ninth episode we have mentioned the soundtrack to pretty much every movie we've done, <laughs> so you can check that box. Uh, but no, this but this soundtrack is fantastic. Is. So if you if you like that kind of music, again, it's not for everyone, but.
0: Well, You're wrong and, if you don't like it. <laughs> and let me make sure I got these facts correct. But, you know, take the stuff that is done by Sex bob Beck wrote the music, but it's actually those three actors playing and singing, correct? Yeah. Yes. And, and same thing with Metric. You know, they're composing and they're creating the music. But that song, Black Sheep, which is fantastic, that is um, actually Brie, correct? Brie Larson, singing. yeah. 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 It's fantastic, and if you go on YouTube and hear Metric sing that song, um, with their lead singer versus Brie, I, Brie puts yeah. him to shame, man.
2: Yeah. It's so. <laughs> this cool. was the best role Brie Larson had,
0: period. Sorry. So <laughs> you are a Brie Larson yes leader, I Wow. Assume. Yes. Well, I that's... didn't
1: know the I didn't know the internet was on our uh, Zoom call
0: right now. <laughs> no, it's 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 a great soundtrack, and I mean it it's. It's got some what Rolling Stones in there too. Yeah, right?
2: yeah, Rolling Stones. Um, um, yeah, the interesting thing with Beck, if you catch it like in a music scene, uh, music store, um, when he throws down the CD to Clash at Thunderhead, right in front of that is the tab that says Beck.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, look, I got to ask you this, Brad, because we we were ranking like the films and stuff like that. Because you're right, we talk about the soundtrack all day long for a lot of the movies that we've done so far. Is this the best soundtrack of the movies that we've discussed?
1: I mean, Attack the Block is pretty yes.
0: good.
1: Ooh. Oh, Troy. I,
0: I'm going to put it out there. I This, to me, is number one from a soundtrack standpoint. Now, granted, I have not bought Attack the Block and gone through and listened to it as, you know, um, religiously as you have. But I've owned this soundtrack the the minute the movie came out and I listened to it all the time. Uh, and I love it. It's fantastic. You don't
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty good. It's under my thumb is the Rolling Stone song, by the way. That's what it yeah. is, yeah. Okay.
0: So you
2: didn't like the soundtrack to the hunted?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that might have been the exception to the rule. I don't I don't know I think it tied with cone heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I forgot about that one. Well, what else, man? What do you guys want to talk about? I, I got a lot of my notes and questions I wanted to ask you guys. Um, what One of the other comments that I read about this from a reviewer standpoint was, uh, and I think this came from Slant Magazine. They said, Edgar Wright is an inspired mashup artist, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World may be his finest hybridization to date. So when I go back and look at his filmography, um, and you look at, and, and again, I, I would put Hot Fuzz as my favorite of his films.
1: That's a comedy action. I mean, that's a mashup,
0: yeah. right? It is, but, I mean, I don't think... I mean, Scott Pilgrim is comedy, it's action, it's romance, romance it's yeah. it's subgenres of action, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit of science yeah, fiction it's, it's in kinda it, It's kind of like too. a punk opera, too. Yeah, it's a punk opera, I mean... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, it And it's a musical. It is a musical through yeah. and through. Um, and I would, I would think that it is his most complex film that he's taken so many genres and put under the hood, whereas others have dabbled and taken a couple of genres and maybe mix and match. But there are so many elements that come together from all different genres in this one. And, and I think it's pretty perfect. John, I know you took tons of notes. What, what did we not?
2: Oh, no, I mean, you hit everything. Um, you know, with, uh, going back to Beck, um, I remember, uh, I, I reread it too. Um, so apparently the songs that he wrote, he gave them he gave them to Edgar Wright before they even started shooting. Yeah. Oh, really? So he's like, here's what I'm coming up with song wise, and you know Beck, uh, even though he hasn't done anything else, he's he's a he's a prolific songwriter. So he's like, here are the songs you asked me for, um, take them, let's see how it comes out. And then he came back and um, yeah, he helped him out, you know, tuned the sound and uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's an awesome soundtrack. I just love it. I mean,
1: yeah, that's song, <clears> that song, Ramona is like haunting. Uh, I tell you it's, uh, it's for as simple as it is. It's like
0: really just yeah. haunting, uh, you know, I guess threshold and black sheep are my two favorites. Threshold. Songs. Yeah. Threshold is so good. That's the one that if I'm a little tired in the morning, crank yeah. that up and I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. to Yeah. Go. Al,
2: we were in your house. I thought we were going to break your chairs cause we we're just sitting there rocking out as soon as this, <laughs> this is the start of the song. <laughs> and here we go. Oh. Um,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think Cameron pointed out and I I didn't even notice this, but like all the drummers are girls. Yeah. And, um and I, I love the sequence with uh Crash Boys, <laughs> the little yeah. drummer who flips They've got off. A girl drummer yeah. <laughs>
2: that was so the, awesome. I don't know if you guys read the backstory to that, but they actually found her in an arcade playing I forget the name of the drumming game back then, but she was actually playing that drumming game and they found her and he's like, Hey, is it Drumania? Yeah, something like something yeah. crazy. Something like, but yeah, that's how yeah. They, they found her, and they brought her along, and yeah, she, she did great.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that whole sequence is hilarious. Um, um, so is it time for the final question, Brad? Yes, it is. All right, well, we're going to start with you, John, our, our resident comic book expert, comic book movie expert. i, I got to ask, and I, I think we know the answer to this. I mean, is Scott Pilgrim a bomb? Hell no. Um, it was
2: mist, you know, badly marketed in my opinion. Uh it didn't really truly um I mean again, just watch the quote official movie tra- movie trailer and you'll see why it, they, they they really missed the mark on how to really um advertise this I mean, they did a free showing at the San Diego Comic-Con uh, in 2010 before it was actually released and it just it just got all kinds of buzz. Um this movie is not a bomb. Do yourself a favor watch it go to the office put it on the loudspeaker and just let everybody know
0: how awesome (laughs) this movie is (laughs) and do you you think it's aged well too i i I
2: I do only again because my kids watched it on their own and they loved it and here they are you know uh not giving out too much but you know one's getting to go off to college one's you know trying to finish up high school and it's you know they would have been like what's uh you know five six by then when it was released they love it it's just awesome It's it's aged very well, and I'm gonna keep watching it until I'm freaking, you know, trying to shove pills down my throat, saying you got to take these, and I'm gonna be like,
0: (laughs) I love how you say not giving away too much, but we pretty much Brad called his wife a used car, and we just went through our entire dating history on a podcast, so um, that's funny, but yeah, (laughs) Choi, I might have to move in with you, so I got a spare room. You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Brad. This is your pick, and surprisingly, some of the picks you've done lately—you pick I a movie, and you're like, "Wow, well, it's kind of a bomb." But is that one going to fall? No, Scott this Pilgrim is gonna... this
1: is definitely not a bomb. This is uh, one of the the more fun movies we've done. I think uh, again, like I said before, I understand why people might not enjoy this as much as we do. I think those people are yes. wrong, but I, I get it. It's it's a lot, and. Um, if you're not willing to kind of get past all the the noise around this movie, um, you know you're not gonna enjoy it. But sadly, I would have loved to kind of see this like kind of continue on. Um, I don't know if the reference material like allows that, but sadly we'll never see Scott Pilgrim versus the World 2 or anything like that. So um, no, I, I wish this movie would have done a lot better. It deserves. Way more than yep. you know. When we talk about like comic book movies, this never is mentioned as like one of the better ones. Yeah. And again, it's got its own style. Even the comic book, I mean, it's got its own style. But I mean, oh, this yeah. is this is one of those movies that's like, when you see it, you know it's Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. So that says a lot.
0: Um. I, yeah, you guys just hit every aspect of why I love this film. Here, here's what I ask of anybody who might run across this podcast and go, oh, Scott Pilgrim, I don't like that film. Please give it another chance. Um, there's a reason why 10 years later they're doing a reunion and talking about this film, and they're not doing that for Expendables. Okay. okay. So Expendables may have been number one that weekend, but um, Scott Pilgrim over the years I think is still holding strong. And it's one of those films that take any of the comments that John, Brad, or myself have said about the film and look at it from a critical perspective. I would say look at it from a critical perspective and appreciation of the editing, the yeah. filmmaking, everything else. It's a great film. It's fun. But look at it from a story and a narrative and um, the character's journey, you know, the, her- the hero's journey that it, that it really displays. And I, I think you'll, you'll do exactly what my wife did, who her initial reaction was... I don't understand why you guys like that film, but find <laughs> find people because when she sat down and watched it with me, Cameron, her son, and John, and we were laughing, we were singing with the songs and everything else, it's infectious. Yeah. I, I really do. You've got to watch this with the right people, but I think you got to watch it with the right, you know, mindset yeah. too. Um, it, it is. I mean, if if you gave me at age 13 like a case of Fun <laughs> Dips and um, a two-liter <laughs> yeah, two bottle of Mountain Dew and maybe $60 million, I would have sniffed the fun dip, drank the Mountain Dew, and made this film um, because I was in my basement playing Nintendo yeah. <laughs> so uh, and reading comics, but I, I cannot um, urge enough people to give this one a second chance. So if anybody's listening and you're like, man, Scott Pilgrim, how can these guys Damn. love this film that much? Just give it a second yeah. chance. I, I think it's aged very well, um, and I think if you, you know... Uh, go back and look at the performances, look at the sporting characters and everything else you you're, you're going to have a lot of yeah. fun with this film. And I'll add All right, Troy. The follow-up
1: to that with our ranking of bombs.
0: Do I need to go over the list or do you know where this goes? Well, go over the list um, because I don't know if John's been exposed to the list and for those okay. who haven't heard the list, where 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 are I say the current 8? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So,
1: number 1 we have Warrior. Number 2 is Dread followed by attack the block children of men rima williams yes <laughs> the hunted coneheads and last action hero i think i know where this goes but i i want to get your opinion
0: this goes to my this goes to number one for me
1: okay i was gonna put it at number two so now we have to <laughs> now we have to fight we
0: um, gotta fight brad uh, versus troy
1: yeah round one fight um you know what? We'll put it number one. I'm not gonna. I'm really? not gonna argue. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm okay with that.
2: What What do you think about that, I John? I think uh, Brad is a very wise man.
1: Um. <laughs> okay, John would agree. Yes. So, our new number, now. Two weeks in a row, we've had a number one. A change in the top. So. Well, that's a good
0: pick, man. And here's the thing, like Warrior. I still stand behind this. It It is the guy's version of the Notebook. I mean, it It made me tear up, and I love that film. Um, funny thing though, is I've talked to some people who've listened to the podcast and actually never seen warrior and went and watched it. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call out Kevin. You're wrong, <laughs> Kevin. His response was, I think you guys hyped it up too much. Kevin, you're wrong. What? Um, but I think this is a better film than warrior.
2: Oof. Oh, that's Yeah. <laughs>
0: I do. I, I From okay. a technical standpoint, from okay. a story, from everything else, I think it's a better film.
1: Well, I, it, Warrior's got every sports cliche imaginable yeah. in it. so yeah. And, and it, it
0: transcends that. I'm not going to yeah, rehash yeah. No. it. But yeah. I think Scott Pilgrim is more original. It breaks some, some boundaries. It So if Warrior is... I look at it this way. Is Warrior the best sports movie out there? No. no. Is Scott Pilgrim quite possibly the best comic book film yes you still say no Brad no really no what's the best comic book film The Dark Knight Eh, there
2: is that one (laughs) as I said Brad is a wise man
1: (laughs) even Batman I'd take Batman Begins over this too okay okay. now you're talking (laughs) crazy alright that's enough stop stop okay alright so okay
0: now Troy, Yes. what are we doing for next week? So you inspired me, Brad. Ooh. And I, what's funny is um, I watched this and we were talking and I, I asked John, I'm like, look, this film just gets me every time and I get so excited about it. And what I find it so unique is, and you may find this strange, like the three genres I love the most are action films, horror mm-hmm. films, and musicals. I love musicals. But there are not a ton of films (laughs) that combine those together. And even when they try, they're like, whoa, what'd you do? Right. Um, Scott Pilgrim is a a musical at its heart that replaces some music scenes with action. And I'm trying to go in my head like, well, who tried that too?" And um, there was one film that came to mind. And it also is done by one of my favorite directors, too. So my pick. Is Walter Hill's Streets of Fire. Have you <clears> seen it, Brad?
1: Yes, uh, it's been oh boy.
0: It is pure '80s. Yes. Um, it has a fantastic <gasps> cast. It has Willem Dafoe in leather overalls. <laughs> oh hey, Spider-Man! <laughs> yeah. Dang. Um, but it, it is another bomb. But it is another one of those films that has gained a cult following um shout factory put a beautiful blu-ray out there with tons of extra features on it i own the soundtrack i own two <laughs> copies of the soundtrack on vinyl um, Again, what are you doing i don't ask guys. look it's just a, i've always loved this film i loved it when i saw it at cinemas yeah. west in wichita kansas where i grew up and uh i have i have the poster i i love this film and it is one of it's a rock and roll fable um, the, and we'll get into this but you know, for anybody who's not seen it if you want to get an idea of the music that's in it, it is 80s um, but the, the actual producer for the music in the film is the same producer who did uh, Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell so it has a very rock opera type songs in it um, but it's directed by Walter Hill and Walter Hill is one of America's I, I would say it's one of America's um, best action yeah. directors, uh, especially in the seventies, eighties and early nineties. So that's my pick, Brad. And I'm going to throw in another special surprise. We're going to have a guest next week to talk about it with us. And it's none other than our good friend, Brett. Oh, Yes.
1: I, I did not know that.
0: Yes, we were talking, and he's never seen it. And um, I'm course, glad I was
1: the last to know. <laughs> well, I wanted show. to make it a
0: surprise because I was really battling this. And I, I asked John, I'm like, does it make sense for me to pick Streets of Fire after um, Scott Pilgrim? And I don't, I don't know. John, what's your Oh, yeah. It,
2: it's definitely a, um, it, yeah, I, I would agree. It, it's a pick to kind of like go to kind of the opposite extreme of what Scott Pilgrim was.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's... uh, And you
1: know that I despise musicals, so I really appreciate it. Well,
0: it's not a musical. It's very much like Scott Pilgrim, where it's not a... Nobody breaks out in song and dance, but as Scott Pilgrim uses a band as a central character, so does Streets of Fire. So I'm curious, because quite honestly, um, I'm wondering, again, just like with Remo Williams... Is this going to be another pick where it doesn't translate well in today's film world because it's a nostalgia pick? Um, or is it going to be a film that hopefully you can rediscover and go, yeah, I, I really have a new appreciation for Walter Hill, uh, Michael um, Prey, and, and some of the others that are in it. Willem Defoe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is fantastic as the, as the heavy in this film. So, um, I, did oh, I do okay, Brad? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, Walter Hill's filmography is shall we say, up and down. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's what I love it
0: I mean about it. I mean he's all over the place, but I mean he, he's a great American director. He, he directed one of my favorite movies
1: of all time, so The Warriors, so ah, he gets a pass for me.
0: Brad is go. a
2: wise man.
0: <laughs> 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 that's gonna be his ringtone. Yeah. What are those now? And John, I, I gotta say, nobody's nobody can see this because we're doing this from a conference call. But John went all out on Scott Pilgrim, and whereas Brad and I are looking at our faces and, and just our uh, in our offices in our offices, <laughs> John does this whole green screen with the Scott. Can you describe what's going on, John? Oh yeah, you? it's just
2: basically a still from the um from the intro where Scott Pilgrim just emanates from the, the instruments and it does the pull you know the pull pan shot from uh. You know, from the band to the back of the couch with uh, knives and Neil, <laughs> young, young Neil, Neil. young, young Neil.
0: Neil. Yeah. It, it looks like young Neil yeah, and knives right. are sitting yep. right behind Literally. you. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brad, you want to go through all the formalities on how people can tell us how wrong we are or how right we are about Scott Pilgrim?
1: Yeah. Um, it's uh, Twitter is at uh, notabombpod and our gmail account is notabombpod at gmail.com our website is notabombpodcast.com Troy and I are putting together something special for September so we will announce that later on but I'm really excited I can't wait Um, and in October we're going to do all horror movies so we're still trying to fill up all four uh, weeks of that with something so if someone has any good horror ideas let us know because the ones we were gonna do, we ended up looking, and it was like, oh no, this movie made like hundred and fifty million dollars, <laughs> and people love it. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. Um, again, we appreciate everyone listening. Share, uh, share, uh, share a podcast with your friends. You know, let them know that hey, this is out here. Um, there's eight hundred and fifty thousand podcasts, literally. Um, available for people to download. Um, so we're just one very, very small um, podcast. So you know, if you can, if you can pimp our podcast to people you know, if you like it. Um, if not, hey, that's fine. So.
0: Well, don't pimp this episode to our wives because I don't want anyone to listen <laughs> and think that we <laughs> compared them to cars with high mileage. <laughs> <laughs> But any other episode's fine if you <laughs> want to show it to them. I've got to have um, a cool wife
1: because, you know... I've had but she is bit, cool. She loves some it really explaining
0: heavy. to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, John, we're going to have you back again. Obviously, you're on you're on the regular rotation. And you're if if Brad and I can pull off what we're thinking about for September, you're definitely coming Oh, I'll back be for looking that. forward to it. Thank you again. Um, if...
1: No,
2: we're pulling
0: oh, off. Oh, sweet. Oh, we are pulling off. Okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, I... I can't thank you enough for all your contribution, and especially coming over and watching Scott Pilgrim with Dude, me. Dude, any time. The best thing about films is watching it with people oh, yeah. you like and oh. uh, having fun. My,
1: my invite must have gotten off. <laughs> Jump
0: on a plane and get your Dude. butt out here. Yeah. We will have some movie watching. Do it. and It's
1: going to happen as soon as it's safe.
0: Oh, do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so next year. That? I'll do it yeah. next year. No kidding. Uh, John any last
2: words um, man just a shout out thank you Brian Lee O'Malley and Edgar Wright for bringing Scott Pilgrim to life uh, if you're listening thank you very much Brad Troy thank you again for having me um, to all the listeners uh, I I hope you guys really do go give it another shot you're going you're gonna to like
0: it Ah, John is a wise man <laughs> <laughs> Brad what do you got I got nothing wear a mask <laughs> awesome alright folks Have a great evening, and we will talk to you next week when we talk about uh, Walter Hill's Streets of Fire. So if you're playing along, go rent it or um, stream it. I just checked. It's available. Awesome. It's available, so no excuses. Everybody have a great night.